Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds Podcast. We have a short one for you today, mainly geared at playoff fantasy baseball. Those of you that have started your playoffs, those of you that are in contention for playoffs, Richie and I have a couple hot pitchers right now. We have the hottest batters, and then we have some double starts for you. So I want to go ahead and bring Richie in. What is going on, buddy? Hey, how's it going, guys? I uh, I made the playoffs, which is good, um, but it's Tuesday, and it's the second day of our two-week matchup, and uh, my pitchers have shit the bed. So um, unless they can turn around, I might be moving on to fantasy football here in a second. <laughs> Yeah, it's always hard, right? Like we've talked strategy a lot over the the past couple of years as we've done this podcast, and you get to the playoffs, and you, you just you have to hope that your pitchers turning good performances, you know. And and I think guys like uh, Steele, you, you know, you were up you were up against Justin Steele today. He had a fantastic performance, you know. Jose Quintana, great performance, and you had Alex Manoa, who's been absolutely lights out, but just didn't do it for you today. Yeah, it comes down to matchups and. We're in this dynasty league, so I've swapped out a lot of my, you know, workload pitchers for younger guys who are cheaper that are going to be more so for the long term. So I kind of knew this might happen with getting Alec Manoa. You know, this is his second year trying to build up that workload. And uh, I gave up players like Max Scherzer, as you know, to you, Matt. So that's kind of my downfall, but I thought I could still be competitive. Um, and make a, a run at the playoffs, but it is day two. Um, I still have a close matchup. I just need my bats to to come to life here and uh, get the job done. Yeah, and it's it's funny, right? We're in the first week of our playoffs in this dynasty format. We do two week playoff matchups because you know you and I have discussed through the years that's that's just really best when you have a really competitive league. Uh, the reason I bring that up is my other dynasty format. I actually am, uh, I think, five weeks away from the playoffs. So we're in week 18. Playoffs don't start till week 22. So it's just interesting to see some of the structuring of some leagues. I definitely prefer how you and I do it. Like, this is playoff time. You know, we've been watching the Mets and Braves telecast today. They were talking about how every game down the stretch matters now. And you can feel that while you're watching games. And that's when you want to be in the playoffs not as the season comes to an end and everybody's, as you kind of talked about, like shut down or their leash is short. So uh, disappointing for you right now. But again, it's Tuesday, right? You got got 12 days left. There's a lot of things that can happen. Everything can happen. Uh, His pitchers could shit the bed and mine could uh, do great the next time out. So we'll see. But it's funny. My categories league is just like yours. And it's a a 12 or a 6 by 6 format. So um, you can either get... Uh, 12 wins, 12 losses, or 6 wins, 6 losses, depending on which categories you win. And the playoffs don't start for that. I think week 21 or 22, so it's one week long. And so you're relying on your pitchers to maybe get double starts that week to help you out with those pitching categories. I personally don't like it with how long that the season is. I would prefer to be two weeks, especially in those category type formats. All it takes is somebody with a Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom to get a double start. And your aces says Corbin Burns or Zach Wheeler, and they're only on a single start. You're drastically outweighed as far as ERA, whip, strikeouts, possibility of quality starts and wins puts you at a significant disadvantage. So that's one, my one gripe in that league. But I'm not the commissioner of it, so can't uh, say too much on that. Well, it's it's also interesting. We talked last night a little bit about available pitchers. It was either last night or the night before. Uh, Kopech had been dropped in your league. Aaron Ashby was out there. We were kind of talking about who to drop from your team. Uh, in my categories league, the 
the pitching depth on the wire is actually pretty deep. Just for example, I picked up JP Sears today to start. We're going to talk about Sears in a little bit. Justin Steele was picked up by me to start. Uh, Eddie Cabrera was started by me. And it's like, those are three guys that, for the most part, I feel like should be rostered-ish, right? Like, Cabrera has essentially been unhittable in the major league series, right? We like that ballpark. We like his underlying numbers. Don't necessarily like that he plays for the A's. And then Steele has the strikeout ability of of the recent past couple weeks, as well as playing the terrible Nationals, who did tie the game. So the win is gone. Congratulations there. Um but just from a ratios perspective, it's interesting to see how some categories leagues rely on streamers and how some lock in their pitchers. Yeah, definitely agree. And JP Sears, we might as well just get right into it. I, I like him from a prospect. He doesn't have the the greatest fastball, sits low to mid nineties, but he's very deceptive with his secondary pitches, which throws batters off. I think he will have success, especially in that weak division. My only concern with him is long-term. If pitchers can figure out how to hit him, especially how, um, not not Taylor Rogers, uh, who's who's his brother? Is it Tyler Rogers who Tyler, throws yeah. like almost like an underhand? Mm-hmm. And pitchers are start or uh, batters are starting to figure out how to hit him. Originally, he was lights out because his mechanics are ungodly like different from everybody else and it throws everybody off but after a while people are going to get used to that so i'm curious to see what happens with sears yeah and sears is the first player that we have in pitchers that can shape the playoff picture here uh no it's a segment we're going to get to in a minute but i really like sears because a he's available in our dynasty league i don't really have anyone i can drop and b i really don't view him as a a long-term keepable asset but I think he could be a guy that could be grabbed and could get you five, six innings, get you a win, get you a quality start, uh, or just get you a quality start as you kind of go into this this playoff picture where there, there are some inconsistencies and there are some question marks. Uh, before we jump into the rest of our pitchers that can shape the playoff, Richie, let's get to a little bit of news. Um, Brett Batty was called up today by the Mets, expected to play infield utility, third base, has been tearing AAA apart. You know, we haven't talked minor leaguers in about a month and a half here, but Batty has been absolutely crazy. What do you think he can do at the major league level? Um, And is he more of an impact in 2023, or can he be a playoff contributor this season? Yeah, it's kind of like – I say this about a lot of prospects, but it reminds me of JP – or Jose Miranda, I should say. You know, I think he might come out of the gate here – hot because he has been hot for double a AA and triple a so i think that's why you bring him up see if it translates to the major leagues i think he will continue to stay hot maybe for a week or two which is what you need for the playoffs but i think pitchers might start to get the book on him um start to adjust and i think he might go through a little lull here we've seen it now with Vinny pasquantino and jose miranda both of those guys got through their little slumps adjusted back to the pitchers and now are what, what I think is what we're going to see from them moving forward when we'll talk about Vinny P here in a little bit. But I think we'll see something very similar with Brett Batty if they keep him up. So I think he might hit that like that um, slump here um, come September going into October here. So more of a 2023 guy for me. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. You brought up Vinny P, you brought up Miranda. You know, we're going to talk about MJ Melendez a little bit later as well. 
talked about Torkelson, Riley Green, um, all of these rookies. They didn't come out of the gate and they hit hot. Same thing with Miranda, right? Like they struggled quite a bit. And you look at what Miranda has been able to do. Um, I think Riley's kind of still figuring it out, but I like the bat to ball contact. Point I guess I'm trying to make here is no one's really come up and had extreme success this season, like, you know, the Acunas or the Sotos, except Von Grisham. Um, Von Grissom, right? Like he, he's. Well, I would the... also argue that Michael Harris has. Yeah, that's come true. Up and done that's that. true. He he hasn't really slumped at all. He's been consistent. Not great power, but just overall, like bats two eighty to two ninety. I'm not sure where it is at this very second, but he's going to be solid production, solid steal, solid home runs over a course of a full season. We had talked about Ward earlier this season being the Cedric Mullins of last year, and I really think it is actually Michael Harris the second. That's the Cedric Mullins of this year. You're not going to get as many counting stats because Harris hasn't been up as long as Mullins was playing last year. But if you just look at the comparable play and stat lines for both of them, Harris has very similar high-end Cedric Mullins um, statistics. And that's because he just plays baseball well, right? And I think there's a lot more power there than anybody expected. Uh, And he plays in an absolutely ungodly lineup. But that's the same thing that can be said for Von Grissom here. You know, I picked him up in the categories league. Uh, he has scored a run in every single game that he's played coming into, I think, today. Uh, and that's impressive, especially if you can get him in a categories league where he those home runs, those runs, and obviously those stolen bases contribute to points. You know what? I'm going to go and check because I don't know if he's available in my um... – categories league here so oh he is available it's crazy right now what am i doing i just said to you the other day that uh karen check for the indians i you know i saw him get the win picked up the win in his game and checked just to see for shits and giggles if he was out there and he was i feel like there's a lot of players right now that you wouldn't expect to be available but they are like if you see a guy that's dominating and he's you know had some injuries this season or he was called up like just check like now is the time to like so many people are just kind of hanging out and not paying attention and then there's a lot of roster crunch issues with some of these teams but uh moving on before, here richie go whoa, ahead whoa, whoa, before we move on pick two out of these three Vinny p jose miranda vaughn grissom are we doing dynasty are we doing rest of season What's we're, my... we're doing my cat we're doing my categories because i either have to drop Vinny p or Jose Miranda to pick up Vaughn Grissom? I think you have to drop Miranda right now. Um, I, I think he – I think there's a lot of upside there, but we kind of talked about this. Like, he's hit his hot stretch. I think he is what he is now. He might have a homer every week. He might have two homers if you're lucky. But that really, really hot stretch that he had, I think we won't see again until next season when he makes the next adjustment. Um, also, I was watching the telecast for the Twins game, and they actually brought up a really good point. So pitchers have been leaving the ball outside uh, corner of the play for Miranda, and he's been driving the ball to right field, a lot of base hits, a lot of doubles to right. Uh, and they said that his power obviously comes from pulling the ball. And yesterday he was hit by a pitch on his left elbow, and you know, the commentator says, well, obviously they're going to have to start that being the pitchers throwing him inside because he just hits everything outside the plate. Uh, I think it could be interesting to watch Miranda's development. We might be watching a guy that's going to hit 300 with 25 to 30 home runs every single season if he can figure out how to pull the ball while also maintaining the ability to push the ball to right field. I just think we have a good hitter, but it's his rookie year, and I think Grisham gives you a lot more flexibility in a categories league. Done. Did it. All right, so big news, Richie. Uh, we're going to get to uh, you know the Vinny P breakout here in a minute. We've kind of been foreshadowing that, but we have to talk Tatis Jr., 
Uh, you know, you and I play dynasty leagues, obviously has a bigger impact for us because the owners, you know, ultimately hold on to him longer than just one season. But I want to get your take on what this means for his dynasty value alone. Now, not necessarily his reputation or what it does for the Padres, but if you're a Fernando Tatis owner right now, you know, you think about our contract situation, also possibly just um, a holds league where you have him forever. What are you thinking about doing with Fernando Tatis? I think you got to hold him right now. It's going to be interesting if we find out more information. Has Tatis been on PEDs for a while now and just been skating by? Or has he been on PEDs, kind of like the Ryan Braun situation where Ryan Braun was taking it to stay healthy and get healthy? Tatis, we know, had the wrist injury, had a few setbacks. Was he on PEDs to get back before the playoffs so that he could make an impact? And I'm leaning towards... Yes, he was taking PEDs, knowing, not trying to cover it up for ringworm. I think he fully knew what he was doing and trying to get by without um, getting caught. And I think he did that in the intent of helping the team, but ultimately he's hurting himself, the team, his reputation. I think he now has a full season, or the whole offseason, I should say, to get healthy. And he's going to be suspended, I believe it's the first 32 games of next year. Hopefully he's right. Hopefully he learns from this. And maybe he's back to the same person. But as far as Dynasty League goes, I would hold for him um, and see what happens next year. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think you hold. Um, I think you allow him to come back to farm. Uh, you know, he's 23 years old. He's he, With steroids or without steroids, he's going to come back and be a very good player. I think you trick people into convincing okay like Tatis is back like you know he didn't need the steroids he's still 60 90 days into playing into the 2023 season after suspension like he's awesome I'm immediately moving him because we have not seen a track record of guys that have been popped for steroids come back and play efficiently outside of Nelson Cruz um Nelson Cruz you know like that's the only name that comes to my mind Robbie Cano, yes, end of his career, did get popped. Like, we can't really hold that against him because he was end of his career. Ryan Braun, though, was never the same after being suspended for PEDs. You know, Giambi, Tejada, Rodriguez, all of them. Like, put all of them on the table. Ultimately, you normally have some drawbacks from the PEDs, whether it's a shorter career or it's a shorter window of your prime. So I, I do think he'll be successful, but from a dynasty perspective, I want to move him so that I can recoup as much of the assets as I can, knowing that, hey, he might only be good till he's 26. He might be only great till he's 27. I want to get that off my team. Yeah, I do worry about the long-term um, stability with that wrist injury. We've seen it time and time again. Those things are nothing to mess around with. So I would agree with you. Sell high while you can, or when you can, I should say. So moving on to brighter news here, Richie, um, you and I have been picking up and dropping Vinny Pasquantino this season pretty religiously, and we saw all the underlying numbers and all the underlying excitement from Vinny in the minor leagues, right? Some of the big podcasts in the industry have talked about how he is, you know, essentially a top 10 first baseman coming up from the minor leagues with his underlying numbers, which I thought was a little ridiculous. Um, and from what we saw, we were disappointed, dropped him, right? You picked him up, you dropped him. We finally have our breakout. Uh, what, are your, what is your expectation for Vinny rest of the season? And really, where would you place him next year? Is he inside your top 10 first basements 2023? Yeah, so I, I'm i torn because we have seen him bat sub 200 in the majors, and we both dropped him. 
Now he's been on a ridiculous stretch for about a week and a half, two weeks here now. And I, I believe it because of the underlying numbers. He walks as much as he strikes out. My only fear and concern is, is this just a hot streak? Like we've seen it with Seiya Suzuki at the beginning of the year was on a torrid pace and then fell off. I'm not saying the same thing is going to happen with Vinny P, but I don't suspect him to bat 350 and hit a home run every other day. I think we see somebody who is going to bat somewhere around 250 to 275, but he's going to have uh, a great walk rate uh, and have power. Kind of reminds me of Carlos Santana a few years back when he was very serviceable. He was right around that top 10, but never really pushed into the top six, I would say. But I could be wrong. Vinny P is still young. I wasn't really a big believer in him like you at the beginning of the year, but you can't deny the power. You can't deny the walk rate. It's the average that I'm a little bit pessimistic on. Yeah, no, I, I think the Carlos Santana comp is probably probably perfect. I think we'll probably see more of a consistent career. You know, Santana's biggest knock is he'll go and hit you 270, you know, equal walks to strikeouts, 30 home runs, you know, 90 RBIs, and then the next year he'll hit 208 with four home runs, and it's just a disaster. Uh, but Vinny's power, I think, is what really has kind of shown me that there's something here. He has prodigious power, at least when he gets into a ball. And then you've talked about the patience. I really, really like that. I think he's going to be a very safe, serviceable first baseman next year with the high upside of one of the better first basemen in the league. I'd say top six, top seven. We'll do our rankings, obviously, this offseason and talk about that. But I think as it stands right now with first base being such a black hole for a lot of people this season, get him in your lineups. This is a guy that can definitely jump in there and and take some of the stress off guys like Roddy Telez that you've been starting. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman obviously is locked. Paul Goldschmidt is locked. But outside those top few guys, even Josh Bell has been disappointing. So if, with Vinny P being hot, I think you get the hot hand in the lineup. And you hope maybe next week Roddy Telez is in there. But he's a guy that can definitely produce for you in the playoffs today. I agree. Ride the hot hand while you can. We have to talk hot pitchers now, Richie, and pitchers that may change the uh, face of the playoffs. So we kind of talked about J.P. Sears earlier. Uh, that is a first name on our list. We don't need to kind of regurgitate that. So we'll jump to the second name here. Uh, it is Johnny Cueto, who has nine quality starts in a row for the White Sox. He just seems to be thrown out there in an innings eater this year. Did give up two earned runs to start the game yesterday, but it was able to rebound and dominate. Uh, what do you think, Cueto, rest of the season? Would you be starting him? Do you have confidence in him? And where would you place him within your roster? We've talked about this a lot. When you play in the AL Central, you are going to be set up with some juicy matchups. So <laughs> I like Johnny Cueto just from that standpoint alone. I was very skeptical of him to start, but his last outing was against the Houston Astros. He went eight innings, only six hits, one earned, one walk, but three strikeouts. His strikeouts have been low. But because of that, he gives up weak contact. He's getting further into games, which allows him to get those quality starts. My only concern is, are all of these hits he's giving up going to catch up to him? 6, 9, 11, 6, 8, 7, all in his last six starts here. Um, that That's just a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. I don't know if he's getting lucky or if it's just the trash teams he's playing with, the Royals, Range, Rangers, Athletics, Guardians, Twins. I think for the playoffs, you mix and match him against um, whatever team he's playing. If he's playing a good team like he did against the Houston Astros, I would just maybe look at what pitcher he's going up against. If he's going up against their ace, 
I'm not starting him. If he's going up against one of their four or five starters, yeah, I'd roll him out there. That's kind of my take on him. Yeah, and I mean, I'm comfortable with you know a traditional points league um, having him be my fifth or sixth starter, no matter what, no matter the matchup. Because for the most part, I'm just hoping that that guy doesn't go out and give up six or seven runs. I'm hoping for a quality start. I think Cueto, with nine in a row, has proven that you can rely on him and he can be consistent. Uh, but again, at some point, we've we've got to have an expectation that this is going to end. This is you know a guy that's kind of re- uh, acclimated his career after the, having a stint with the Giants and being disappointing and having more injuries. So nine in a row is very impressive, but he could also be a guy that you know is considered to be a league winner in the terms of just pure volume and his ability to be strong down the stretch. Kind of brings us to our next guy here. We're going to jump over Cabrera Richie. We're going to go to Kyle Gibson. He's had four quality starts in a row, four of plus six innings or more, had 11 strikeouts tonight, did give up three runs to the Reds, uh, does face the Reds next Monday. So a very nice matchup for him. What have you seen from Gibson lately, and is he a guy that you would want to be adding if he's on the waiver wire and starting? Oh, absolutely. I would be all over Kyle Gibson if he's available. It's weird. We've talked about this in the past with other pitchers offline, but you get five, six amazing starts, and then you get a random blow-up game, and it's like, what the fuck? Um, just looking, July 22nd against the Chicago Cubs, four and a third, six earned runs, three walks, zero strikeouts. It clearly didn't have the stuff there. So when he's off, he's off. But when he's on, he's getting you quality start after quality start. And usually he gets a win on that Phillies team. So I would ride with the punches. Nine out of ten times, you're going to get a great start from him. Yeah, and I think this goes back to what kind of what you talked about with Cueto. Um, Gibson's had really good matchups. If you talk about that, that start with Chicago, even before that he had a good uh, game against Miami, right? But it was Miami-Chicago. Had a pretty solid start against Atlanta. Six innings, two runs given up. Uh, goes to Washington, pitches very, very well. Goes back, pitches against Miami, pitches well. And then tonight gives up the three runs, but 11 strikeouts against Cincinnati. You know, matchups are big at this time of the year. Obviously, everyone's looking to play matchups. Gibson on Monday, play Cincinnati. Uh, I just like that a lot. It's it's going to be uh, an interesting week if he can get two starts. Uh, but let's jump backwards here. Let's go to Eddie Cabrera. You know, a guy that you obviously have liked the last couple of years, uh, a guy that you did like go off your dynasty team. We have injury concern, obviously. He did only go four innings tonight, did seven Ks, three hits in those four innings, has been dominant so far. Are you able to trust him right now, or is he basically a categories only player? Who hasn't been on my dynasty league that I haven't dropped? <laughs> um, all jokes aside, though, kind of foreshadowing, there are four players or pitchers, I should say, that I like to stream for double starts next week. Edward Cabrera is one of them. His stuff is so filthy. Um, He's so good. I think he's matchup-proof as far as batters go. The only thing you're worrying about is can he make it five innings. I think he can. He doesn't really have a leash as far as innings are concerned. He's dealt with some injuries, so he doesn't have that workload of Hey, he's approaching 100, 150 innings. We should limit his workload. I think um, with, with him getting so many strikeouts, he does like to run the the count up a little bit. Still deals with a little bit of control issues, which is only going to be your concern here. So categories, absolutely, 100%. You're starting him. I have him in my league. He's been fantastic. In points league, I think you still roll him out there, hoping he can get five innings, hopefully six um, to get that quality start, but I'm more so banking on the five innings and getting a win. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to bring this up for you right now, because this was something that I was curious to get your opinion on. We haven't really talked about it outside of the show. This was a CBS topic of conversation last week, and it was regarding Dylan Cease. Regarding Dylan Cease, his ERA, his overall production this season, if you look at him coming into today, he had a quality start. One, two, three, four, five. His last five starts were quality starts. He had not given up more than one run in those five starts. And I think if we even date it back, it's more ridiculous than that. I'm just looking at ESPN's player box. Tonight, five innings, six hits, three runs, three walks, four Ks. Very, very average stat line. Um, and I think this season we've seen an overproduction from from Cease because of that awful, awful division. You'd mentioned that with Cueto. What are your expectations for Cease rest of the season? I, I think he's a stud. I think he's top 15 for sure. I don't know if he's necessarily top 10 yet, even in a trash division. Uh, we talk about this with Shane Bieber. I'll give him a pass because he did play the Astros, and he still went five innings, only three in runs, three walks. Didn't have as many strikeouts. I'm not terribly concerned. I'm giving him a pass. My only cause for concern, and I don't have it in front of me, would be comparing where he is at as in terms of innings pitched this year compared to last year and previous years and see, is he approaching that threshold? Is he about to plateau? Is he going to start getting dead arm? And um, the next time you take the mic and talk, I'm actually going to look that up and take a look and see because that might sway how I feel about Dylan Cease. What are your thoughts? Yeah, while you're looking that up, um, I think that he's, much, much like you said with Bieber, benefited from playing poor d division opponents. He, when you get to play the Royals, when you get to play the Tigers, when you get to play the Indians, you know, it's going to lower that that ERA. But also, I want to see what he's like in the playoffs this season. So I have a real gauge as to what he's going to be come 2023 if the White Sox can find a way to actually get to the postseason um, or just down the stretch here, right? The Astros are a really good opportunity to see. Alvarez is still dealing with that hand injury, so that power has kind of gone away. Uh, the, the offense isn't as explosive as it was. Kyle Tucker has been struggling, but I still like the five innings, three runs. I just feel like that's more or less of what we're going to see the rest of the season from Dylan Cease. What do you yeah, have give for him me a, for an innings cap? Yeah, I'll give, I'll give him a pass. He's at 128.2 innings. I, this is off baseball reference. So I don't know if they necessarily have tonight's in there. So let's say 132, 133 innings last year. He won 165. So he's still got a lot left in the tank. Um, what's concerning is the year before, 2020 and 2019, he had 73 innings and 58 and a third innings. But you also have to account for the COVID season. Um, so I'll give him a pass for the 2020. And then 2019 was his rookie year. So um, I'm not necessarily concerned. So I'm giving him a pass for this. I think he can easily get to 180 innings this year and be just fine. Yeah, and it will be interesting, you know, in this list of pitchers that we have that could shape the playoffs, he's not listed because ultimately these guys are guys that are either fringy on the waiver wire or guys that have just continued to outperform their expectation this year. Cease, of course, is rostered almost universally. Um, you know, we just talked about Eddie Cabrera. I like what you had put into that filthy stuff. I agree. It'll be interesting to watch his development the rest of this year going into next year. Let's talk a little bit about Justin Steele and um, Jeremy Springs. You roster Springs yourself. Steele was a guy that I thought was going to have a good week. You know, obviously the Cubs bullpen blew that for him. What do you think about both of these pitchers, and who would you rather be rostering going into next week? Would you rather have Steele or Springs? Well, I think you already know the 
feelings I have for Jeffrey Springs this year. So I'm easily going to go Jeffrey Springs. Uh, Justin Seal is just a liability. He's either going to go in five innings with eight to ten strikeouts and do fantastic, or he's going to blow up and go two to three innings with eight earned runs. Jeffrey Springs, you know he's going to have a low ERA, low whip. The only concern you're going to have for him is he was a relief pitcher up until this year, so he doesn't have the innings that you you expect for a pitcher around here. So my concern for Springs is going that six innings to get that quality start. If he does make it there, I fully anticipate he will get a quality start every single turn. But even tonight, he only went five innings. Uh, I believe he's in line for the win. That game is still going on last I checked. Um, but he only gave up one earned run. Strikeouts are mediocre. He's going to be just under nine per or just under a strikeout per inning. So could be better, but you'll take it with uh, the run support and the, the low whip he's going to get. Yeah, and I think for the most part, Springs is a guy that's been rostered. Steals a guy that's been picked up over the last week, week and a half. Uh, has been higher strikeouts in the last couple of weeks. Is playing really low opponents as well. Bad teams, right? So this is the time where you're going to set him in the lineup and feel more comfortable about that. He does have another start this week, so there will be more to see there. Uh, moving on, we have Sonny Gray mentioned next. Is Sonny Gray a guy that you're confident in starting the end of this season, or is he just kind of lucky so far with that 3-1-6 ERA? Yeah, I like Sonny Gray. I, I think he gets a bad rap for what happened to him over in, uh, was it Cincy and New York? Both bad ballparks, uh, tough division with the Yankees. So he's going to give up um, runs, obviously, in that ballpark. But now, like we've talked about this whole podcast, he's in the AL Central. So uh, a lot better opponents. He's been pretty well. Um, I liked what he did against the Dodgers in a limited sample size, only three in runs. It was over four and two-thirds, but it's the Dodgers uh, heavily favored to win the World Series. So that's kind of what I like to see. If he would have went five innings, we wouldn't even bat an eye at that. It's a, oh, it's against the Dodgers, give him a pass. But before that, he played the Blue Jays, the Padres, um, and only gave up one run against both of those teams. So I, I like what I see here. He's proven to me over at least the last month he can handle these tougher teams, and he's going to get easier opponents moving forward. Yeah, and I think it's a hot team. You know, you have a pretty decent offense there in Minnesota, um, and again, a bad division. Sonny Gray trying to kind of reclimate his career, as you said, after having a couple rough stops. I think that Cincinnati ballpark really screws up a lot of guys. You look at even what Castillo was able to do there, up and down seasons, and you see him go to Seattle and dominate. Anyone that leaves Cincinnati is going to have a better career. I think we can expect to see that possibly from, from Mally next season, uh, obviously being on the Twins as well. Uh, moving on, last couple of guys we have here. We're going to start off with Jose Quintana, who we, we were facing tonight. Did very well. Didn't get uh, the longevity that maybe we wanted to. Didn't get the quality start. Uh, what do you think of Jose Quintana? Kind of in comparison to guys on this list, who would you rather have Quintana over? Uh, and compared to this list or just in general? Compared to this, to this list. Yeah, I, I didn't care for Quintana too much just because he was on a horrible team, but he's... He's kind of kicked into second gear here. Uh, hasn't been too well done too well over the past couple of years. I would take him over J.P. Sears for the simple fact he's on a contending team with the Cardinals, and he's going to go further in games than J.P. Spears. 
compared to the rest of the list, I'm not entirely sure. I'd take him over Jeffrey Justin Steele. Um, probably, honestly, I would take him over Jeffrey Springs right now just because he's going to go that six innings and probably get you quality starts. And with being on the Cardinals in line for wins more times rather than not. Uh, Kyle Gibson, I think I'm taking Kyle Gibson over him. I'll take him over Edward Cabrera just for longevity and consistency, as well as Johnny Cueto, too. So, yeah, mostly almost all these guys I take uh, Quintana over um, in redraft, that is. If we're talking dynasty, that completely changes the dynamic. Yeah, and this list is hard. I, th- I think you're right with Sears. I would rather have Quintana. I would rather have Cueto. I'd rather have Quintana over Cabrera simply because Cabrera's you know a pitch away from surgery um oh i did miss quaid i would take quaid over quintana i missed that on the list yeah i think we're in agreement there you know quaid has proven to be also on a pretty decent team even though they're disappointing um but yeah i know the only one i agree with you yeah i if jeffrey springs was worked up more and had that track record of going longer i would take him but he's not going to go six innings more times than not where jose quintana will so that would be the only caveat to that all right, so we have two more. Let's touch on Tyler Anderson real quick. Uh, four of his last five games, quality start, ERA under three, whip at 101. Very, very impressive season. It's been very annoying. Uh, this is a version <laughs> of Anderson that should not be existing, and I think he's just kind of like Andrew Heaney, fallen into this Dodgers pitching staff that has found a way to make him successful. What do you expect from him in these fantasy playoffs? Do you expect hiccups, or do you expect him to continue playing and performing the way that he has? I expect him to fall on his face because I am hoping to play him in the round two, assuming I can get (laughs) past the first round. So I really hope he doesn't do well. Um, But all jokes aside, I, I don't know what is with the Dodgers. They just know how to find these guys and turn them into something that they've never been before, kind of like the San Francisco Giants are known for doing. Must be a California thing. If only the Padres could get on board. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't really know. I can't get a good read on Tyler Anderson. It's just, is it because the Dodgers play in a bigger ballpark? I, I, I just is because he, he's got run support, so he feel he pitches better with a lead rather than playing from behind or trying to keep it close. I really don't know what it is with Tyler Anderson. I can't put my finger on it, but. You got to ride it while you can. If he's available, I mean, he shouldn't be. He's 92% owned in ESPN. But if he is, you got to grab him and ride it out. All right, last one here, Richie, before we move on to hot hitters. Brady Singer, six innings or more in his last seven starts. He has been he's been dominant. Do you buy this breakout? Yes and no. Um, more, mainly a two-pitch pitcher. Um, he hasn't really been doing anything differently. Um, that I, at least I can see that's suggested that he should be breaking out the way he is. But you can't deny the numbers. We can look at the underlying numbers all we want, but look at what happened with Vinny Pasquantino. He, the underlying numbers were great, and for a month it didn't translate. Now it is. Um, I think the same things with Brady Singer. You can look at the underlying numbers, but you can't deny the stats. As long as he's putting this up here, you have to roll with it. But unless he develops a third pitch, I think he's going to regress to the mean. I'm um, just looking at his box scores. We, we kind of see it here with an outlier on August 3rd against the White Sox, six innings, 11 hits, four in runs, one walk, three strikeouts. 
Um, that's kind of the outlier compared to the other ones. Normally, I would say this is all fluky, but he's doing it against teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Rays. 7, 10, 12 strikeouts. How do you deny that? Maybe he's just found the pitch location to, um, or maybe studying up on these hitters and know where, where they are. Um, I don't know. What, what's your take on it? What do you think of Brady Singer? He was very, very dominant at Florida. Uh, and same thing, right? Two-pitch pitcher college, obviously able to leverage and utilize those pitches to his advantage against kind of lower-tier hitters. But I do, and I did believe that at some point in his major league career, he could show the same kind of control and poise that he did down there in Florida. And I think we might be seeing it. Also, minding that I think he's catching some of these teams on the downstretch. Like, if you look at the Yankees, they've been slumping. Um, did have some good performances against Judge. He comes out of the game, Judge hits a home run, right? So we can equate that, okay, he is overmatching the best hitter in the league this season. I think we want to see this in the start of 2023 because if you remember correctly, Singer had a very, very good end to his 2021 season and then had a, the last couple of games, I think, were blow-up games and it was like, oh, okay, you know, it's over with. It wasn't a breakout. Comes out in 2022 and just isn't good up until about a month and a half ago, two months ago. So I do believe that this breakout is real. I think he needs to be rostered in all dynasty leagues. I obviously think trade deadlines have passed, so I wouldn't say go out and acquire him. Maybe this offseason look to kind of buy where he's at. You know, I don't think he's broken into that we all believe it tier yet, which is right when you want to get guys. That's, that is the kind of that gray area of it's not going to cost you too much, but you could ultimately fall into an ace pitcher if the breakout's real. And I think ultimately I believe more in Brady Singer than I believe in Tyler Anderson, even though Anderson has more controlled numbers throughout the season and consistent numbers. I am not a believer that Anderson's a guy that I'm going to want over the next three and four years. I think that Singer could be. Yeah, I agree. Um, Singer's still young. He's got the pedigree. Uh, Tyler Anderson hasn't. So I would agree with you. I would uh, roll the dice with Singer long-term. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got left on that. Before we break into hitters, let's just wrap up pitching. Let's go over our double starts for next year, and we will end this the podcast today on hitting. Uh, you put together a list for us. You've got four names. Tell me the names, tell me the matchups, and tell me one through four who you want to pick up. Yeah, so I went through ESPN, just looked at guys that are rostered under 50% just for the sake of this exercise. There's a handful of guys, but there's not too many that I like with the matchups that they have. Um, so the four are Corey Kluber, Edward Cabrera, Ross Stripling, and Nick Lodolo. So personally, I would go Edward Cabrera one, Corey Kluber two, Nick Lodolo three, and Ross Stripling four. So having said that, Edward Cabrera, he plays at Oakland. That's the matchup you're going off of. I think that's juicy. I think he can get to that six innings. I think he can get you anywhere between seven and ten strikeouts, maybe one to three walks. Who knows? Um, but they should be able to get the win against that Oakland team. His second start, not the greatest. He is up against the Dodgers, so I don't know if he'll necessarily get the win, but I'm expecting four to five innings of him. Um, I think he can get five to seven strikeouts in that matchup, maybe give up two earned runs. So he's not going to get you a quality start or win in that matchup, but when you pair them both together, that's better than what you're going to get from any of the other guys. Moving on to Corey Kluber, he's been up and down all season long, but his first matchup is against the Los Angeles Angels. They're Mike Troutless. Tyler Ward's been, or Taylor Ward's been having injury concerns, so outside of Otani, they don't really have anybody. 
And additionally, I'm going up against Corey Kluber, so naturally he's going to have a great performance. Uh, his second one is against Boston, um, in Boston. So that one I don't really like as much. Um, but then again, um, you're really riding it for that first matchup and hoping that Corey Kluber can do something in a second start. Moving on, Nick Lodolo. Here's another young guy up and down season. His first matchup is against the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm torn on this one because Bryce Harper has started swinging a bat again. I don't know if he'll be in the lineup, even if he is. It's a lefty on lefty, um, and he'll be rusty coming out of the gate. And then his second matchup is the one you're really using him for, and it's at Washington against that national lineup, who is uh, trying to figure it out after selling off their team. And then lastly, Ross Stripling coming off the I.L., He's at Boston. Don't like that matchup, but you're really using him for that second one against Los Angeles Angels. My concern with him here is coming off of an injury. Can he go the distance to get you that uh, to qualify for a win or a quality start? And then there's always the risk of re-injury with Ross Stripling. So recapping, Eric Cabrera 1, Corey Kluber 2, Nick Lodolo 3, and then Ross Stripling if you absolutely need to. Ross Stripling, I almost cut off of this list, but there could be people that are desperate out there. Yeah, and I think Stripling's had a few opportunities this year up and down. You know, he has the opposite flip matchup of Corey Kluber, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I really like Lodolo next week. Philly, not so much as you said, especially if he matches up against Gibson. I didn't see if he starts Monday or Tuesday. I do love that Washington matchup. But let us break into hitters, Richie. Uh, we'll kind of go through these pretty quickly. I'm going to start it off with the first three names on our list. Uh, these are players that have been hot over the last 15 to 30 days. Uh, we are using numbers from the last 15 days. Andrew Vaughn starting off three home runs, nine RBIs. MJ Melendez, four home runs, 13 RBIs. Max Muncie, five home runs, 15 RBIs. These guys have been very, very hot. Uh, Vaughn has had a good season. Melendez and Muncie, though, as of late, have come out of kind of nowhere. Obviously, Melendez has the prospect pedigree. Muncie has the injury. Uh, if you could choose, say, one of these guys to fill in as a utility player, rest of season, who are you choosing? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. Um, honestly, I'm probably going Andrew Vaughn. Yep. Just for the simple fact of Vaughn's going to be more stable with his batting average he's going to provide a little bit of pop he's going to be on that white Sox team that's going to need him without tim anderson mj melendez i like the power production but he scares me with his batting average inconsistencies matt muncie he's hot right now but i'm also concerned with that injury and how he's been batting below 200 i'm not convinced at this moment in time that he's all of a sudden healthy and he's going to be max muncie of old but who knows, in a week or two from now, it could be Max Muncy at the top. I think Max Muncy has the lowest floor of this group, but he also has the highest ceiling of this group. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play it safe with Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I just can't trust what Muncy is doing yet. You know, if you have the opportunity on your bench to pick him up, obviously pick him up. But the injury is very, very concerning. And then MJ Melendez is so streaky. He has two, three, four games where he looks like he's the best catcher in baseball, obviously, because he also plays in the outfield. But I do not trust the fact that uh, he is a rookie. You know, that's still very, very concerning to me. Um, okay, we've got a couple more names on the list. We've got uh, 
Andres Jimenez for the Guardians, 59 points, 4.5 points per game. He's been absolutely on fire. He put together an 18-point performance on Monday, really helped what is ultimately the playoff push for some people. Uh, are you buying him going into the 2023 season? Buy him in terms of what? you got to clarify a little bit. Are you looking to um, comfortably start him at, in within your top 10 at second base going into the 2023 season? Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I don't think he's going to provide a lot of power, but not many guys are at second base, and you can't deny how good he's been doing. Um, and, and just all these guys you're going to talk about here, three of the four we're talking about are all on the Guardians, and they – I didn't realize this, but they actually have surpassed the Twins in terms of standings mm-hmm. for Correct. the AL Central, which is new to me. So I've clearly been slacking on paying attention to that. Um, so they're motivated. They're going to stay hot. And I, I think they're fighting for, obviously, they're fighting for something. Um, but as far as Jimenez goes, you got to ride it. Th- these are one of those guys that are league winners that just come out of nowhere, like the Tyler O'Neill of last year. Remember? Um, you and I were both out of fab, and just Tyler O'Neill was just so hot. Andres Jimenez is this year's Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, and th- that's the thing we're searching for right now, right? Who's the guy that can help you win a league? Um, is it Jimenez? You know, we have Steven Kwan on this list, 49 total points over his last 15 games, 3.5 average, followed by Ahmed Rosario, four home runs, 14 RBIs. Uh, these guys kind of like roll with each other here, right? When they're all hot, everyone's you know everyone's benefiting. You know the the counting stats are there, the runs, the hits, the RBIs. You got the home runs. Um, Jimenez had a home run on Monday. Ahmed with four home runs, right? Like they're only benefiting each other. But I think that's where my concern is. If say you're rostering all three of these guys and you're in the playoffs right now, you need to be keeping an eye on the waiver wire for a guy to swap in for any one of these at any given time because once these hot streaks end, you're going to need them out of the lineup. Um, how long was Stephen Kwan unusable this year before you slid him in, right? Like, And now he's a very serviceable, startable player, but as soon as that changes, you're going to need to find the next guy up. Well, as soon as that happens, hopefully my... Giancarlo Stanton comes off the injured list. Well, yeah, and how many? <laughs> at least that's my hope. Or yeah. Chris Bryant, but I, I don't really expect Chris Bryant to come back at all this year. Well, I think a lot of people are probably using Quan in their outfield to fill in for injuries, right? And like you know, have Bryce Harper coming back in a couple of weeks here. You supposedly have Mike Trout, you know, ultimately getting out of his rocking chair to play again as well, which I don't <laughs> believe. Um, so yeah, Quan right now, absolutely startable. I think Ahmed Rosario, we've seen him throughout his career, extremely streaky when he's streaky and he's, when he's hot, he is hot. You start him. I think Jimenez is going to be one of the first guys that we see here where he kind of joins that, uh, that classification. But one more name for you here, Richie, and it's quite a surprise. Christian Walker over the last 15 games, five home runs, 16 RBIs, still terrible average, still striking out a lot. But, man, he's up to 28 home runs this season, uh, performing very, very well. Are you confident that Christian Walker can be your starting first baseman to finish the season? In a points league, yes. In a categories league, no. Um, And I say categories, no, because I've done the Christian Walker experiment multiple times in my categories league. And, yeah, he can help you in home runs, um, and he can win it for you, but he will hurt you in everything else. He will hurt you in average. He will hurt you in o, OBP. Sorry about that. Um, and he, he's just so streaky. He'll go a week with hitting three, four, five home runs. 
Um, and then he'll go a week with going 0 for 20 with one walk. And it's like, what the hell, man? I just picked you up to hit me some home runs and you just ruined my average and didn't provide anything. Um, and so for that, I mean, by the next time, this time next week, he could be easily 0 for 20. That's just kind of the season Christian Walker has. I'm not buying it. Um, yeah, it's nice to see. I do think he could maybe get to 35, 40 home runs by the end of the year, but he's going to be batting 200 with it. So I, I just don't want anything to do with it in a categories league. In points league where strikeouts aren't that big of an issue, like our dynasty league, I'd be all over it. Slide him in. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I fully agree with you. And that's kind of the upside down with him is you pick him up and we've seen it throughout this season, this year. It's it's usually a down week after he gets picked up and he's right back on the waiver wire or he's picked up and dropped by Tuesday because he had a bad Monday for the next hottest slice of bread. That's kind of what happens with a guy like Walker who plays in a, you know, a smaller market, doesn't get a lot of classification or a lot of uh, media hype, and then also has a bad average. Um, but that wraps our show for today, Richie. Was there anything else we wanted to talk to the listener about before we say goodbye? I don't think so. All righty. Well, we will see you guys next time. We will have a uh, bigger pro- podcast kind of circled around prospects. Richie and I will dive into uh, AAA, AA. We'll do some high A as well. Uh, he's very excited to talk about Jackson Cheerio. Uh, we <laughs> wanted to see a game. Probably not going to happen, but uh, look for that on our next episode, and we will see you next time. Yeah.